Today is Monday, July 11th. I'm Pastor Sean Cole, and I am the lead pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Sterling, Colorado. Thank you for listening to this mini podcast of Understanding Christianity. We are back again. We've been gone for a few weeks because of a vacation that I've been on, but we are back looking at these mini podcasts, Burst of Encouragement through the book of Philippians. Thank you for listening. We finished off a few weeks ago in Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to jump right into Philippians chapter 3. It's kind of a transition chapter in the book of Philippians, and what what Paul's going to do at the beginning is going to um, basically contradict or, or, or have a trans um, a contrast between two types of people. So let's read uh, Philippians chapter three, verse one. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write these same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the real circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Now, Paul says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Now, the word finally there doesn't mean that he's done with his uh, thoughts, that this is the conclusion. Really, in the original language, in the Greek, it means now to another subject. Uh, so basically, Paul again is is moving into a different theme of thought, but he's going to remind us to rejoice in the Lord. Again, the main theme of the book of Philippians is joy. Rejoice in the Lord. Have this joy in the gospel. And again, what is joy? Joy is that deep-seated sense of peace, of contentment that, that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, producing that deep within us, that regardless of what circumstances we're going through, we trust in the sovereignty of God to keep us firm in His grip and His power where He produces this a solid sense of, of contentment and peace and joy in our hearts. That's what joy is. And Paul again says, rejoice in the Lord. I want to keep reminding you of that. But then he gives us a warning. Verse 2, look out three times. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. So he's going to talk about these false teachers and so he says look out look out be on the lookout for these false teachers that are going to come in and who are these false teachers well probably in the context they were jewish leaders or jewish people that were really trying to um, pervert the gospel into outward acts of circumcision and religious law as a way to earn favor with god and so paul calls them dogs Look out for the dogs. Now, that was a pejorative term that was used for the Gentiles. And in that culture, dogs were seen more as not a household pet like you and I would have, but more as a scavenger, a mongrel, one that would eat the trash like a pack of of wild dogs. And so Paul's imagery here is, look, these false teachers are like a pack of wild dogs that are ready to pounce. Look out for them. Most false teachers do not come in announcing that they are a wolf in sheep's clothing. They're going to be secret. They're going to be subversive. They're going to be sneaky. They don't have name badge on announcing. And so they come in and start to deceive. And Paul says, look out for these dogs. And then he calls them evildoers. Now, they probably didn't think they were evildoers. They, were thought, they thought they were doing the law of God. They thought they were being religious but they were actually perverting the gospel. And Paul calls them evildoers. And thirdly, he says, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Now, what's he talking about mutilators of the flesh? 
Well, what Paul's doing here is he's really going to make a contrast between outward circumcision that was a a Jewish outward um, act that really God instituted back in the Old Testament with Abraham as an outward sign and seal of the covenant that these were God's people to the true circumcision that comes through the heart. Paul here is saying, listen, these guys, these Jewish people, they have experienced the outward cutting of the foreskin. It was an outward symbol of their Jewish identity. It really had no value now that Christ had come. It was just an outward symbol. There was no inward change. It was just an outward way to identify that they were the people of God. But, and in the Old Testament, there was this day that God promised where he would do a, a heart circumcision, that he would do a, a true circumcision of the heart. And, and Paul says, listen, these guys are just putting confidence in the fact that they're, they're doing all of these religious things. They're trying to make you become circumcised. They're, they're putting their stock and their Jewish ethnicity and all their religious laws. And, and they're not having this true transformation that comes through being truly circumcised. And that's why Paul transitions here, contrasts, this group with us. Notice what he says there in verse 3. For we, he begins to say, listen, I'm, I'm talking about them. They're false teachers. Look out for them. But we, and by extension, us, true Christians. And he gives three descriptions of, of us. He says, we are, number one, the real circumcision. Number two, we worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ. And number three, we put no confidence in the flesh. Number one, we are the real circumcision. Now, what does it mean to be the real circumcision? Now, the the Old Testament circumcision was a cutting away of the foreskin as an outward way to mark out God's people. But God promised a new type of circumcision, a circumcision of the heart. Ezekiel calls it God taking out a heart of stone and replacing it with the heart of flesh, this cutting away of our old, dead, stony hearts. And really, it's talking about regeneration. When we are born again, when we are made alive in Christ, when we are a new creation in Christ, we are the the true circumcision. We've had our old, dead, stony hearts taken out. We've been born again. The Holy Spirit has come, taken up residence in us. We are new creations in Christ. We have been given the new birth. We are now the, the true circumcision. We've truly been saved by grace. We've been regenerated. And as a result, Paul says, thirdly, I mean, secondly here, we, as a result of being the true circumcision, having this heart transplant, we can now worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. Why can we worship by the Spirit of God? Because the Spirit of God has taken up residence in us. The Holy Spirit now lives in us. We have had our old dead heart taken out, and now we have the Holy Spirit living in us, and we're not bound by outward religious action. We've been born again, and so we can truly now worship God through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can glory in Christ from the heart because we've had this heart transplant. And thirdly, Paul says, we put no confidence in the flesh. Now, immediate context, the confidence in the flesh is physical circumcision. He's saying, listen, especially Gentile Christians in Philippi, it doesn't matter whether you've been outwardly circumcised, have your foreskin cut away. That was an Old Testament sign and seal. What matters now is the new covenant, inward circumcision. And so we don't really put confidence in the fact of, of outward circumcision. But really it can also mean that we do not put confidence in what we, in our flesh, in our human ingenuity, can accomplish. 
We don't put our confidence in methods or machinery or marketing or techniques or in our agendas. All these things that we can produce in our own power to somehow either produce spiritual results or get ourselves in a right relationship with God. Paul's saying, listen, that's not where our confidence comes anymore. Our confidence comes in the power of the gospel. It comes in the fact that we're the true circumcision, the fact that we are worshipers of God. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We can glory in Christ. We don't rely upon what we can produce. Listen to what Ian Bounds has said, especially about prayer. Ian Bounds was a great writer on prayer back in the 1800s, and um, he he gave a great statement about what happens when we rely upon man-centered techniques. He says, We are constantly on the stretch if not on a strain, to devise new methods, new plans, new organizations to advance the church and secure enlargement and efficiency of the gospel. The church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. What the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more and novel methods, but men whom the Holy Spirit can use. Men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. And I would say women as well, and boys and girls. So as you think about starting this new week, are you putting confidence in your flesh? Are you putting confidence in what you can do? Are you trying to manipulate and and have these man-made methods to try to produce spiritual results? Or are you resting in the fact that you are the, the true circumcision? Your old dead stony heart's been cut out and you now have the Holy Spirit in you. You're a new creation in Christ, and therefore you can trust in the power and sufficiency of God. 